You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, you're in for a real treat. My guest today is Robert Linkle. Robert has over 22 years working in the strength and conditioning field. And he's well-pedigreed and very well-educated. He's also overcome his own health hurdles along the way, many including orthopedic issues that he's had to learn to work around. Robert's entire mission in life and business is training the older adult. In fact, that's what his business is called, TOA, Training the Older Adult. We sat down together because we wanted to dive in on how strength and conditioning is probably most necessary for those who are aging and getting up there in years. We think that strength and conditioning is reserved for young 25-year-old meatheads in the gym, but Robert and I agree. Those folks, like myself, who are getting up there in age need strength and conditioning in their life more than ever. In fact, you know I've said this repeatedly, it's non-negotiable. We geeked out and had an absolute blast. We dug into some of the tough topics, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Let's jump in. Robert Linkle, thank you so much for being on the Dr. Tina Show. I am ecstatic to have you here because you embody in your work what I am so deeply passionate about, which is strength training, and particularly strength training for the older adult. Because as we age, I firmly believe it's a non-negotiable that if we want to stay alive and mobile and not die a horrific death of chronic degenerative illness, that we need to be adding muscle. I always say we got to add a slab of muscle to the bod. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is a great honor. I'm very happy to be here and uh, excited to chat with you and share some info. Yeah, so can you tell the audience a bit about you? How did you end up in this specialty? Yeah, this is normally something that it's like a half hour discussion, but just a very quick overview of me. I was an NCAA hammer thrower. I was competing to make the US team in 2008 and uh, blew my back out, had my first major injury, ruptured my L4, L5, L5S1 discs while back squatting. And three days later, had an emergency surgery to fix it and woke up to the doctor telling me my hammer throwing career was done. I went into mountaineering and was training some other clients that, um, you know, had some limitations and had some lower back problems and was diagnosed with a carcinoid lung tumor and lung cancer. So I had my left lung removed. And then nine months later, I had another tumor in my thyroid and had my thyroid removed. And then three years later, I had arthroscopies done on both my hips and both my labrums were completely shot and gone. And a year later, I had both my hips replaced. One of my hips dislocated and I had a total revision after seven dislocations. Uh, I've had three different wrist surgeries, wrist repairs for carpal tunnel and a torn ligament in my thumb, but a hernia repair, you name it, I've had it. I have more surgeries planned for the future as other things kind of come about. Long story short, and I steal this line from Alan Cosgrove, I don't tell people all these things to impress them, but to impress upon them how life can happen, this is a, a Tony uh, Robbins line, how life can happen for you and not to you. And my wife and I both really embody that and we take with our experiences in life an opportunity to learn about it and to teach it to others. And so as a 28 year old who blew my back out, now a 41 year old, all those experiences I had in there, I wrote about them, I did videos about them, I shared all of my experiences and slowly my 30 and 40 year old clientele all turned into 50, 60, 70, 80 year old clients who all had those similar experiences. And then I started, other trainers started coming to me and going, how do you work with these older pops? We, we don't know what to do, we don't know how to do it and we're afraid we're gonna hurt them. 
And so I just had the same talks over and over again. And eventually we're like, I just need to like record a series and teach people how to do this. And thus we created TOA, my wife and I. So trainingtheolderadult.com, TOA, that's our, our in-house studio here where I do train some clients. I have maybe 10 clients that train in-house here with me. And then I have another 45 or so that I train online live every week. And then the other half of our business is working with, you know, 250 plus uh, TOA personal trainers. And we also have TOA affiliates that are other gym owners around the U.S. Um, we have nine other junior affiliates or affiliates that, yeah, that run TOA businesses out of their space. So, wow. yeah, we've been slowly kind of reaching out and we just launched, launched our brand new uh, training select method. Uh, basically, it's our whole course on how to do everything that we do and and we teach it all. Huge exercise library, all kinds of good stuff. So. That's, that's amazing. That's all of it in a snapshot, <laughs> real real quick of what happened to me. Oh my gosh, what a gift you are to the world. I mean, this is a keeping our aging population mobile and functional. And I think a huge part of strength training really is the cognitive impact, you know, of keeping our brains. I always say I, I'd be batshit crazy if it weren't for strength training, but more notably, I just think I would be descending into slow perimenopause, you know, and yeah. losing my marbles. So I am so grateful for the tools that I have with my kettlebells. I am a kettlebell fanatic. Like mm -hmm. I call them my babies and yep. I collect them. <laughs> yeah, I got a good collection back there too. <laughs> and I, I love them because they're so accessible to everyone, you know, and I try to impress this upon people that, you can change the intensity by changing the weight, of course, mm -hmm. most obvious, but changing the tension that you create in your body and changing, um, you know, the moves. And there's just, it's such a buildable, beautiful, accessible to, I believe everyone, unless they're quadriplegic, I believe even if you're in a wheelchair, there is something we can do to strengthen ourselves. And I love that you have taken it as your mission to train the older adult. I will say, I wish you had found me a long time ago because as a prolotherapist, I definitely keep people out of all of these surgeries. Mm. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we'll hook you up with someone in your area that maybe you can consult with. Cause that's a, that's a whole other story, but anyway, yeah, no kidding. um, yeah, getting, getting your joints cut into really changes things, but that mm -hmm. is a common experience for people. And that's what I hear. They say, oh, I can't strength train because I had my knee replaced or I had my hip replaced. And you're living proof that that is clearly no, not true. 100%. Not absolutely not true. And I have majority of my clients have some type of joint replacement or have had a massive repair or restructure of something in their body. And, you know, one of the big ones, like one of the big, what we kind of talk about, like myth busting, one of the big ones is the knee replacement that you can't squat or lunge or even kneel down or do any of this, that is all completely false. It's a scar tissue issue for most of the um, like contacts on the ground. That is something that can be worked with, worked with and improved as time goes on. I've had multiple, multiple clients have knee replacements and it's uncomfortable to start, but as we continue to progress it and we use pads and different things, they eventually get to the point where they can kneel on both knees all the way to the floor, get down on the ground, play with their kids, play with their grandkids and get back up. So lunges, step ups, you know, that you can even return to running. You're just going to wear through your product here a lot quicker. And that's really what I found too with my hip replacements, shoulder replacements, any joint replacement. Where we're at now with these, like back in the day, they used to, I know you know this, but for your listeners, back in the day, they used to do like a knee replacement and they would cut off the end of the femur and they would bolt in, screw in a new end. And then 15 years would go by and they would have to cut that whole thing off and it would move up the leg and they would put in another one. And so you would get shorter, your bone would, and now 
basically they just replace the parts on the inside. All the metal stays in place. Mm-hmm. And it's these big, thick, like really industrial plastics that they'll use as ball and sockets in the hip, in the shoulder, or these big pivot points inside the knee. And so it's actually pretty, I'm not gonna say minimally invasive, but way smaller of a surgery than the initial replacement to repair these parts. So we'll get some individuals that are like, look, I'm, I was, you know, 36 when I had my hips done. It's like life isn't over. I still want to be athletic. I still want to go and do things. So they gave me options and like, look, you could go back and start running again. You could lift heavier if you wanted to. You can do that. You're just, your 20 year lifespan on these hips is going to go down to like 10 and we're going to be seeing you sooner. Right. But if I take care of them, if I don't run, if I don't trash them and do like high impact, really, really heavy, I'm talking, you know, singles, triples, like heavy, excessive loads, then I could take care of them and maybe last 30 years if we do it right. So it's definitely not an athletic death sentence by any means to go, oh, I got to get a knee replacement. I'm done. That's all mindset. That's 100 percent mindset. And you'll get individuals that will return to athletics and even perform. Bo Jackson returned to you know, playing baseball with a hip replacement. That was in the 80s. It's way better now. So yeah, don't let that deter you guys by any means. I love that. And you know, I don't think there's any place for those heavy single lifts I agree. as we age. I used to, I, I really did a number on both of my hips chasing numbers on the barbell. And that's just my type A personality. Yeah. And you know, the gym is my therapy. So depending on how stressful my life was, it was how heavy that barbell was. And um, I sumo deadlift and I jacked up one hip and then jacked up the other yeah. <laughs> eventually. And finally my coach, you know, my coach is 50 something years old and she's incredibly, inc- I mean, she's like, she's a, an Olympic weightlifter, although I don't mm. want an Olympic weightlift. She's an Olympic weightlifter and she is, I think she just won gold for masters. Like she's like, nationally renowned. And Mm -hmm. she said to me one day, she said, you can keep chasing numbers on the barbell or you can do this until you're in your eighties and nineties. Which one do you want? Yeah, You know? And I was like, honestly, at the end of the day, I want to be able to, I I saw so many patients with limitations that we were able to help quite a bit. But I remember one dude in particular, his wife had always stayed fit and healthy and active and he had not, and he'd gained quite a bit of weight and he really wanted his knees functional because she was going to climb the Great Wall of China and they were in their eighties and that was that. And he could either, she said, you can either come with me or stay home. Well, that's (laughs) her sporting event now. That's what she's training for, you know? Yep. So he, he, He kicked it into high gear and I oh, put some stem cells in his knees and he lost some weight. I mean, it wasn't, you know, those, those only last so long, but, uh, we got him to China and back, but it, I just, it really hit me. I thought I want to be climbing the great wall of China at whatever age I choose. Yeah. I want to be having good, healthy intercourse, like at any age as well, because 100%. the fitter you are, the better your sex, you know? And yeah. I mean, these aren't things to be like too much information, but these are the things I think about with my patients and talk with them about the, what you said, you hit, nailed it on the head. I would always ask them, can you get up and down off the floor with ease and can you get down on the floor and play with your grandkids without pain and suffering? You know, and those are, those are the things that people don't realize. It's not about, it's not, I mean, yeah, it's nice to look nice in a bikini, but it's not about that. It's about being able to get down on the floor with my, you know, future grandkids and be able to stay down there and get back up with ease without, you know, or or even going down the staircase without dropping them. These are just logistics that people don't realize are so critical. Yeah. hundred percent. You're right. And, 
you know, you did mention that you don't Olympic lift, but you do cleans, you do snatches, you do jerks, you just, you do kettlebells, but those are still Olympic lifting actions. They're power-based movements. And that's a, a big part of what we do as well as teach the clients to move a light to moderate load fairly quickly. So you can be explosive and you can be reactive and that's fall prevention. And that's, you know, your dynamic ability to move and respond is what keeps us upright. Our spatial awareness, our, our balance and our coordination, like all of that comes together. So that's included in all these lifts that we work on. And a lot of people focus on reps and sets and load, even recovery, but we forget about the fifth volume of tempo. And you and I talked about that off the air a little bit before we started is like, how fast can you move a light weight and then slowly control it back? Well, that's what happens if you're stumbling backwards, you have to move really quick and then recover yourself before you go tumbling down. So like those, those are all real life things that we're training for. And our industry just destroys this functional training mindset. But when I think of it, I'm like, here's my athlete that plays football and they need to get better at sprinting and jumping and blah, blah, blah. My athletes need to get better at life. And so what is life including? It's including hinging and carrying and reaching and rowing and dragging, right? They're dragging their suitcases and they're picking them up and they're putting them away and, you know, they're moving groceries and they're cleaning up their yards. And it's just like the sport of life. And so in that, I, I have, I don't mean to rant, but I have two parents that I unfortunately pick on quite a bit because they are living examples of everything that I fight against, you know? They're sarcopenic, they're the big three. They're sarcopenic, okay? They're osteopenic, if not full-blown osteoporosis at this point, and they have obesity. And so 33% of our country over the age of 50 has all three of those, and we, and, and individually, it's even more in some of the categories. Females over the age of 50, like almost 70% uh, have osteopenia. If not, it's like 40% have osteoporosis. It's really bad. I mean, it's a full-blown disease that just really nobody even talks about. You know, they're like, ah, it's just bone density. You know, that happens to everybody as they age. It doesn't, guys. If you resistance train and if you incorporate, you know, walking, we do rucking where you're carrying weight while you walk, that's great for your bone density. 20 minutes every other day in the weight room doing machines or doing bar class or doing dumbbells or doing kettlebells or anything, anything as long as there's load involved beyond your body weight, 20 minutes every other day will change your life. How you feel, how you sleep, your bone density, your muscular mass, how you perform in the bedroom, how you perform outside, like all of it is, and it's and it's like this big secret that we all know about that nobody else knows about, and it's not a secret, guys. It's just simplicity of getting in there and just moving some weight around. And if you don't know how to do it, find somebody that does and learn, and and don't be afraid to go in there because this is what you are training for. This is the sport of life is to let's keep you moving. You know, my parents were like our golden era, the golden age. We want to retire and go into our golden years and be able to go travel. And they can't do any of it. They can barely get up and down the stairs. You know, I just put up a video of my dad going up and down the stairs at at his new townhome. And it's a great concern. You know, it's a huge concern. And he goes, this is just what happens at 70. And I'm like, I've got 85 year olds that push a sled and a tank outside. Like they're, you know, it's mindset as we'll keep coming back to that. It's complete mindset. I can rant. I can go forever about this, but well, you're it singing. Just, you're singing my song. Yeah. If, if you haven't listened to my podcast, I rant about this all the time. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't imagine. I, I have a very similar uh, parents set, and I've got a mom who has had all kinds of hip replacement surgeries, mm. and they were, you know, in hip d- dislocations and and lots of trauma. But she keeps on trucking. Man, she's tough, and she got it. She finally got it. It oh, took man. a while, but she got it, and she stays strong and she stays active and she keeps her metabolism in check. My dad, on the other hand, is uh, 
you know, lots of, I mean, he's unsteady. It's bad. There's been some falls recently and a lot of me screaming at him at this point because I'm so frustrated with the position he's put our family in. And I'm searching to buy a, a one level house here soon to put them in because there's no navigating the stairs for him. You know, it's, it's just, a, and I keep telling him, I, I treated everything you said earlier about the training for life, the suitcases, the hinging, the picking up things, the laundry, all of that is exactly where I made my, that's who I made business off of as a practitioner doing regenerative injections. It was constantly, oh, I was gardening. Oh, I was trying to put, I mean, you see these little skinny, frail, sarcopenic women trying to put these big suitcases in the overhead. And I always would grab them and help them because I'm pretty strong, but my husband's always around now. So he always, you know, he's like the gentleman and is always helping them. But I'm thinking, you know, check the fricking bag for $25. Your shoulders <laughs> will thank yeah. you later. You know, it's crazy. So I, I don't, I, I guess, you know, a lot of this came out of utility for me personally, because I was a single mom for so long. Mm -hmm. And I realized, like, I got to move the furniture in the house, I got to pick the kid up, I got to, you know, take her off the sleeping kid off the couch and put her in her bed, I've got to do these things, I didn't have a man around to help me. And so I took it upon myself to get as strong as possible. But I love that you say training for life, because I was in the gym religiously until COVID hit. And whenever anyone would ask, what are you training for? Because I always train for a purpose too. Yeah. And I would just generally say like, I'm, oh, well, I joke, I'm training for the zombie apocalypse and here we are. But um, <laughs> I, I would say I'm training for life. Yeah. You know, I'm training to not break a hip. So let's talk about that. Let's talk yeah. about this, this term, you know, we can take the terms you used, which is sarcopenia, obesity, and uh, osteoporosis. But there's yeah. a, there's one big term called osteosarcopenia sarcopenic obesity yeah. <laughs> that the medical community loves to talk about. Share with the audience what that means and what are the repercussions? Sure. So, so basically they look at um, an older adult, if we have to give it a number, we're going to label it between 50 and 80. And then a frail elder or an elder is going to be 80 and up. Okay. Now we do that understanding that biologically, a, you could have a 50 year old that looks 80 and you could have an 80 year old that acts and functionally moves at 50 quote unquote, but we have to have something, we have to have some parameters. So within those parameters, you now have guidelines for sarcopenia, which is the loss of muscle mass to a point, not just atrophy, beyond atrophy, where your muscle's shrinking, to now it's shrunk so much that you can't do a movement or lift a certain weight that you could before. You've actually lost function. So maybe you could put your arms all the way overhead before, but now you can't. You could pick up a 20 pound kettlebell, but now you can't. So if you're into one of those categories, which occurs in as little as 10 days, okay? You've been working out and then you take a 10 day vacation. You just lay on the beach, you are full blown sarcopenic. You are losing your abilities, okay? It happens that quick. So we just went through COVID, 18 plus months, everybody's sitting at home, huge, huge effects that's gonna have. We'll see all that info come down. Again, I'm ranting, okay? So, so sarcopenic, you get after 10 days, start to lose this muscle mass start to lose your ability to function. So we have those folks out there. Without muscle mass, without enough stress being put onto the bones, the bones start to get soft and then you become osteopenic. Osteopenic is the softening of the bone. It's kind of like early onset to osteoporosis, which means your bones are now so brittle that if you fall or a normal individual that has regular density bones just bounces, yours will shatter and break. And, and it's so detrimental for those that are osteopenic when they fall, like 70% of those folks that fall do not return to full function. 
and 30% of those 70% die as a result of that fall. That number might even be higher. I might be misquoting. I went on the short end. It might even be higher. And so falling is a life-altering experience now where if your bones are dense, it's a bruised butt and you get back up. And then as we age, the metabolic system starts to slow down. And if we're not exercising on a regular basis and not consuming or over-consuming, we start to store excessive body fat. So now you start to become overweight and then eventually we become obese. So those are our big three. We're losing muscle mass, we're losing bone density, and we're carrying too much body fat. Now, of the 50 to 80-year-olds in this country, which is roughly 130 million people, 33% of that group has all three of those. Okay, And almost 80% of that group has at least one, if not more, of those. So that leaves about 20, 15 to 20% of that demographic. So we're talking about 30 million people between the ages of 50 and 80 that don't have any health issues and concerns of those three. And because that's such a significant number, if you have any of those three, this is a huge health concern, but if you have all three, it's a big one. So osteosarcobesity is now a, a name that it used to just be sarcobesity where they were worried about loss of muscle mass and body fat. It's all three of them now. And this is a, a one-stop shop, if you will, of um, hurt high intensity resistance training will basically address all three of those in one shot. And so that's the style of training that we do in here. That's the style of training that you do with your kettlebells. I've seen you on Instagram and doing, you're working at a higher tempo, you're moving a moderate amount of weight and you're constantly trucking away. So your bones are getting stronger because of the demand of the load you're moving. The muscle is starting to build up because of the amount of weight you're moving and that's pulling on the bone. Bones like, hey, I gotta hold structure, I gotta move. So bone gets more dense, muscles get more dense, and hopefully with some good controlled eating and all your caloric burn now, you're getting into a deficit where you're starting to lose your body fat. And so now all three are being addressed with one condition, with one new thing that you've plugged in. So if we plug in a resistance training program of higher intensity, hurt, high intensity resistance training, you plug that in with some really good clean eating, we can change your life. And that can happen in as little as two weeks where you start to see and feel results. But some people will report it in one day. They'll do one workout and they'll go, I thought more clearly the rest of the day. I felt better. I had this little rush of endorphins and you know I felt a little high and they call the lifters high, the runners high. It's kind of the same thing. I slept better that night. You know, I was a little, was, you know, just like a, a happier aura of you. And that comes from pushing yourself in this environment and getting there. But you'll have folks that'll do it and they're like, well, this just isn't my gig. I don't like doing this. You, there are many different styles of doing this. And we talked about before, you could be in a room like this. You could be using machines. You could be using cable pulleys. You could be using kettlebells only. It's just whatever it is, there needs to be an external load. Because moving just your body weight, well, yes, it'll get you in better shape and you can get very strong and you can get very fit, but we're not gonna build extra bone density if we're not moving extra load. Your bones are already used to moving you. No matter how many times you do it, they're used to it. Your muscles will get stronger to an extent, but eventually this turns into like a muscular endurance component. How much blood can my heart pump to my muscles to keep it going? Let alone how much fiber can I rip and build in a good way to be able to move more weight. So you have to have external load. And that's probably, again, ranting a little bit, but it's kind of the big issue in this is as we get older, many doctors will just label that you shouldn't deadlift, don't lift anything heavy, don't, don't put anything over your head. These are all these stereotypes that we have to destroy. 
and that we have to nip in the butt and say like, no, this is, this is how we're going to keep you functional is by doing. You're telling me to stop doing things that I would normally do in life. And gravity's pulling on me. I'm losing muscle mass. I'm gaining extra body fat. Like you're doing me a disservice by telling me to stop. So when a client comes in for the first time, they're like, I have osteopenia. My doctor told me I need to stop training in the yard and stop. And it, it makes my hair fall out, obviously, because <laughs> it's like, what are we, what are we doing? Like you don't, and that's, that's the, the, the miss. That's the misconnect between the medical field, even into physical therapy and chiropractic and then in personal training and strength coaches. I feel like that physical therapy, chiropractic, personal trainer, strength coach connection, we've gotten better over the last five years. But the medical connection to it, you know, doctors still look down on trainers and feel like, you know, they're failed strength coaches that couldn't cut it, et cetera. And, and there's, we just don't have this working system yet where there's a lot of contradictions going on. And in most cases, like uh, Dr. Peter Atia talks about this all the time about how we will just turn to medications then. Yep. And the medication, you know, you've seen his little chart as quality of life. It's like at the very bottom of life, you're at your lowest quality, but I'll give you medicine that makes your life go another five years, but you're miserable, right? Where if you would have trained earlier, you could have this high quality of life and then just die at 80 or 90 or whatever the high age is for you, you know? And so that's, that's what we're looking at with the big three is we need to address and you can basically just simply start with resistance training and kind of build it from there and clean it up your diet a bit and can have huge, huge quality of life changes, huge quality of life improvements to where your, your mind, your body and your emotional connections to those around you and your family all improve. One of the most common questions I get from listeners and my community is, Dr. Tina, I heard you. I hear that I have to get started in strength and conditioning. I hear that I need to add muscle mass to my body. I don't know where to start. I've never done it before. I'm intimidated. I'm scared. I don't like the gym. I don't know what to do. This is a super valid concern, and I completely understand because I've been there myself. There needs to be a home program that we can all get into that's safe and effective and is designed by somebody who knows how to train the older adult, who knows how to train those folks who have different orthopedic issues and who knows how to work around them. So after some deliberation, Robert got to work. With the help of his wife, Keegan, they both created a new program that is specially designed for Dr. Tina's listeners and community called Train for Life. This is a training the older adult exclusive. This program is set up to get you started with simple pieces of equipment that everybody can afford and access like bands and small kettlebells. It's six weeks of training, 12 complete guided workouts, printable workout cards, professional programming, and more. If you head to the link in the show notes and you use coupon code Dr. Tina, all one word, D-R-T-Y-N-A, you'll get the special Dr. Tina show discount and you too can get started on your way to strength training today because we don't need sarcopenia, obesity, and osteoporosis wrecking things for us as we age. Aging gracefully is earned and it comes through adequate muscle mass and strength. I hope you guys are as excited about this as I am. I implore you to go check it out right now. Head to the show notes, use the coupon code Dr. Tina and enjoy. This is why I tell my audience that strength training is non-negotiable because if you if you are forward thinking with the strength training, everything else falls into place. So my big thing online is metabolic health. And you mentioned the three, right, that we've just talked about. They all feed each other. And that's the vicious cycle that people don't seem to understand. And my listeners have heard me beat this drum to death. But 
if you are sarcopenic, meaning your muscle is wasting, it's often becoming marbled with fat, inflammatory fat, which is causing further degradation of the muscle and further osteoporosis of the bone. The bone marrow itself cavity becomes fatty. So you lose your immune function and the, the circumference of the bone marrow grows bigger. So you're losing more bone from the inside. Your obesity is drive, the obesity piece is driving the metabolic dysfunction. The metabolic dysfunction is driving the obesity. It's hard to decipher which started first, but it all starts, in my opinion, with sarcopenia, especially of the big muscle groups of the legs and buttocks. So that's where blood sugar dysregulation at its core, I believe, starts is with sarcopenic, with muscle mass loss. And so that continues, and I'm sure you know this, but just for the audience to understand, the bigger your belly becomes, the more metabolic syndrome that you're rocking and prediabetes and frank diabetes that you're rocking, the more your limbs atrophy and the harder it is to build muscle on them. So it's this vicious chicken and egg that these, you know, the bulk, 88% of Americans, Robert, are metabolically unhealthy. 88% of all US adults are metabolically unsound. And that was from a 2016 study. And I'm sure it's gotten significantly worse since the I'm lockdowns and, and gym closures. You know, the rate of chill, uh, diabetes in children, There were, I believe it was a Kaiser study. Mike Mussel talked about it on my podcast. The rate of diabetes in children doubled, I believe, in just one year. So mm. these kids are walking into adulthood and these adults are aging with this chronic gain of fat, loss of muscle that's being perpetuated by a busted metabolism that's being perpetuated by lack of muscle mass. It's like it's so what's the what's the solution literally what you just said like that is the whole solution mind what you put in your mouth which i talk about ad nauseum but more importantly get your ass in the gym and start lifting some heavy stuff because everything falls into place then you start hydrating you start going to bed on time you start actually seeking out food that's delicious and healthy not crap because you want to feed that beautiful muscle you just worked hard, so hard for and probably paid to get you know yeah. so it's like Everything, if it, I get, I got a message today that made me cry. This woman, um, I had a rough day yesterday on Instagram. People were, people are crazy. <laughs> when you have a big audience, it's like a lot of crazy people coming at you. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there trying to help and I get battered for it and accused of fat shaming and all the things. So this woman messages me a novel and I open up the messages and I'm like, oh my gosh, another novel. Like, I don't want to read another novel, you know? And I go down it and there's a photo of her with her son in front of her one year apart or two years apart. I think one was right when the pandemic started. One was now, she was quite obese in the first picture and a younger woman, probably in her, I want to say mid thirties, beautiful lady. Mm. The second picture is her with this tight waist and nice healthy hips and just beautiful with her son about a head taller. You know, he's grown quite a bit and since the, the first picture. And she said, I have goosebumps right now. She said, uh, like, basically this was you. You started me on this path. And then from my account, she found others that were helpful. And she did this and I messaged, she's very concerned and I want you to answer this is why I'm sharing the story. Mm -hmm. She said, uh, I'm very concerned because I keep hearing that I need to eat a very low calorie diet uh, or I need to eat this many calories. And I was like, I, I messaged her back with an audio and I said, fuck all the calorie counting, 
just go lift weights. Did you, cause I always say, start with a strength training, Robert. And they yeah. always come back to me with these amazing stories of weight loss. And you know what? They did it all without strength training. And I was like, oh my God, it would have been a million times easier if you'd started with the strength training. So she said, yeah, I just started two weeks ago. I really wish I had started sooner, but we live and learn. Everyone starts with a caloric restriction. Yeah. And I'm like, screw your macros and calories, eat. Yeah. Your instincts will turn on when you start lifting heavy shit. <laughs> I, I agree 100%. So I, I wanted you to take the floor on that. Like, what are your thoughts there? I, I 100%. I, I'm not a fan of taking away. I want to add. And so the first thing to do is add in resistance training into your regular routine. And we have something called EOD 20. Every other day, 20 minutes. Like, just start with that. And on the days that you're not resistance training, go outside and walk. And the, one of the best things you can do, if you're capable of walking, you can do something called rucking which is just putting a weight vest or a backpack on and going for your regular walk. So if you're like, I'm gonna do a 30 minute walk every day, buy a 10 pound vest, put it on. You, half of them, they look nowadays, you don't even know you're wearing it. It's just an extra 10 pounds. And with every step you take, there's 10, 20, 30, 40 extra pounds. And you do two miles, you just burn a crap load more calories by adding load to your body, right? And, and you're working on your uh, muscle mass and your bone density while you're doing it and it's going to push you uh, metabolically a little bit more to move extra load so if you start with resistance training every other day 20 minutes go for walks every other day of that for 20 minutes or so eventually add in weight to it if you can you're golden and when it comes to the nutrition aspect i don't want you to take away stuff necessarily to start just start off by adding in like i'm only i'm just going to add in all the water that i can possibly drink i'm going to add in as many fruits and vegetables as i can handle and generally speaking, across the board, without knowing each person individually and exactly what you have going on, but generally speaking, if you just reduce the amount of processed foods and replace it with as many you know, whole and plant-based foods that you can, and if you're going to eat meats, get the best and the most organic and the healthiest meats that you can find, just less processed, less touched less dyed, less get as, as many processed things out of your system as you can. None, none of that has anything to do with 500 more here or 600 less there. It's, it's literally just, I want to find a cleaner, better version of whatever it is that I'm eating and just simply do that. And you'll see huge changes from a, a physical side, but also an emotional and a cognitive side too, as you start to get more dyes and food process, all that stuff out of your system. And you'll find all the way down to your bowel movements are easier and better because you don't have these unnatural things that are clogging up the works. So I don't want you to think like, well, I got to get rid of soda and I got to just start by adding in some healthier options of things. And then, like you said, well, you, oh, I'm going to just add in weights. And next thing you know, you're like, well, I'm building this nice body. I don't want to ruin it. So yeah, let's get rid of the soda now. And then let's stop with the mayonnaise and let's stop with the candies. Then. I'm also a person of like, I've had cancer twice. I, I had opportunities where I was like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to have further days, if I'm going to have retirement, I don't mean to get dramatic. It wasn't that bad, but I had an opportunity where I was like, this might be as far as I go. So I want to live in these moments. If I'm out with my family and we're having pizza and celebrating, I want to have pizza. I'm not saying you can't, you shouldn't have that glass of wine, but I'm not having pizza and wine every single night. I'm not eating to maximum capacity every single night. Like you learn to pick and choose those days and those events. And when you know they're coming, you train for them. So you're like, I need to have three really good days. So Friday night, I can just 
turn all and just go, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have as much whatever it is as I want. We're having birthday cake afterwards. Like live your life, enjoy your life. Cause you can get hit by a truck tomorrow. Like anything could ever happen, right? We I had a, a colleague of mine, um, he was like, my dad was saving, 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 saving. When I retire at 65, we're gonna travel the world, this and that. And he died at like 63. Oh. I mean, he never got to go and do anything. He had all this money and all this stuff and and he died like of a heart attack or a stroke, something hit him quick and he was done. And it was like, he never went anywhere and did anything. We're not guaranteed retirement. So you need to live in the now. That's my Wayne's World line, live in the now, man. <laughs> like you gotta live, live now, but be smart about what you're doing. And as you said, like when you make these healthier options and these healthier selections, you feel so much better. Like you guys try this, okay? This is something that I do. It's not the healthiest thing, but there's like an ice cream that I love. I love this ice cream. And so I go out and I have it a night. And then the next night I'm like, I want to have it again. I have it again. And then the third night I'm like, I need to stop this. So I got the biggest container of the ice cream as I could. And I ate to my heart. And the next day I was like, fuck that ice cream. I never want to eat it again. I feel terrible. Right. And, and that's, I'm not saying it's a healthy thing to do. I'm just saying like, it's the mindset of three days in a row. I felt terrible. Like this was really not a good, healthy thing for me. And once you have that feeling, you're like, why am I doing that with cheese puffs? Why am I doing that with cheese in a can? Why am I doing that with all these Pepsis? You know, like you're, you start to recognize how bad it is for you. But when you're having it every single day, you, you don't know any different. You oh, know, yeah. there's certain it's medications the too. It's like the slow yep. drip poison. I had the same thing with alcohol. I never drank excessively, but I was drinking consistently and, you know, a glass or two of wine every night because I live out in wine country. Next thing mm. I know, like, it's not a good look for a middle-aged woman. Like, it doesn't go well. <laughs> Suddenly, I was just puffed up and feeling miserable. And everyone's like, mm. oh, and I had these remarkable shifts in my health when I, when I quit. And everyone's like, oh, you must have been a heavy drinker. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. It was just that slow, poisonous drink. Constant little bit of it. Yep. The message is still live your life, still enjoy and indulge in some things. Just don't, you can't do it daily. You know, there need to be more positive days than negatives. And if you can kind of restrict it to like one or maybe two kind of bad days where you're like, yeah, today wasn't the best eating, but you can have four or five really good ones, you know, you, you start to see significant change. You mentioned cancer and I, we don't definitely have to, don't have to go down that pathway, but like you did have a pretty, I mean, you have one, you have a lung missing. So that is a pretty significant shift. And you're absolutely right. The, there are, my mentor died of cancer and it was terrible to watch. And it was similar. It was like, he was finally, he was at the top of his game. You know, he was winning the world and um, got on the National Institute of Health panel. Like he was a big deal and he was at the top of his career and boom, just out like that, you know? And he's the one, I mentioned him because he's the one who taught me about strength training. Back in the nineties, when I met him, he, you know, was like, everyone was a cardio bunny back then. And he said, start strength training and screw the cardio machines. And I was like, what? You know, it was like 1997 or eight. And I was like, what, are you crazy? And he said, no, just build muscle mass. And after he died, that's when I started really, well, it was actually before he died. I, I tend to waste when stress gets high, I waste away. Mm -hmm. And wasting is not good because any virus or infection or cancer that anything that comes Super through when vulnerable. you're in a wasted state you're you're pretty yeah. much a goner and this is where frailty and sarcopenia come in right and so i specifically started packing on muscle knowing he was dying and it just went a lot it went about a year longer than i than we had expected so it was a really terrible thing to watch and uh 
He died of sarcopenia. He died of inflammatory induced sarcopenia from all the chemo and radiation. Oh, wow. And wow. thank God he, I mean, the reason it took so long was because he had so much muscle on him, you know, going into it. Really fit man in his mid to late fifties, uh, beautiful man. Mm. And I started packing on muscle knowing, knowing that I was going to have to endure some serious grief because he was like a dad to me and, and mm. like a, like a very much my mentor in medicine. And that's what got me started was that like i i've got to pack on some muscle so i can handle this really stressful event that i know is coming i was training for his death i mean now that i think about it right now in real time and i'm so glad that he gave me that gift of strength training and turning me on to that because it's completely changed my life and i know moving forward i have this incredible tool that has gotten me through so many other you know, you you probably know who Brett Jones is, right? Uh, oh yeah, right. So he got yeah. cancer, and he guru. yeah. It was amazing to watch him go through cancer therapy and treatment and train. And he showed up every day on Instagram mm. and would put his himself. And it was like he lost so much weight, and then he came back, and it was so inspiring. To, and he's an older guy with a multitude of surgeries too. I mean, the guy has been riddled with a lot of uh, traumatic orthopedic stuff. Mm. And to watch him train and get those reps in and build that muscle back was so inspiring. And so we clearly both have a similar passion on this. Like, this is how you stay alive. And this is how you don't die of COVID. Yes. <laughs> yeah, is, for right? sure. For sure. It's, it's strong, the strong body, the strong mind and vice versa. I mean, it's, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned the cancer. I, I'm not a huge fan of referring to myself as a cancer survivor. I call myself more of like a surgery survivor because I feel like that title is, res is reserved for people that have to go through treatment. And luckily for me, I just had to have my tumor removed. I had carcinoid tumors in both. And so they're encapsulated, you know, tumors that if they biopsy or if they puncture, they'll spread all over. So basically they have to take, let's say it's 80% of your lung. They have to take like 85% of it just to make sure they've got it all. And then, and then you're good. So I had my lat got severed and my intercostals. I had two ribs broken and another rib removed and they just had to open me up. And so I've got this huge like shark attack bite on my side where it looks like a shark bit me and then didn't like the taste and spit me out. And so I've got this constant reminder of that, rehabbing that, it took me forever to be able to get my arm over my head again, probably seven years until I could do a chin up again. Like it was just this battle that I just needed to recover from this really severe surgery. And luckily reading with books and then training clients to go through treatment, that's a whole different ball game. So not a huge fan of labeling myself of that, knowing what, what other real cancer survivors really do, but it's amazing to see Alan Cosgrove, you know, level, uh, he had uh, um, stage four cancer, you know, twice and was able to recover from that. But someone who resistance trained his whole life and was active in martial arts, like the, the stronger bodies do great. This I'm, I'm doing a new uh, certification right now. And one of the studies that we look at a lot for this was a, a study done in Japan in 2014. And what they were able to look at was just this base finding of um, grip strength calf circumference and age was a great predictor of if you were going to be sarcopenic, if you had sarcopenic, uh, sarcopenia or not, and uh, just a base level um, athleticism on like how fast your gait was, how stable you were, how strong you were, you know, to be able to stay up. And so within 94% accuracy for males and 90% accuracy for females, 
they can measure literally just do your grip strength with a little dynamometer, uh, a dex uh, dynamometer here. There's my dynamometer. So one of these little guys, right? You just squeeze and it tells you how many pounds you squeeze or how many kilos. Based on that, they can tell you and they can predict when you will get sarcopenia or if you have it, if you're early onset or if you're not, what your gait speed will be for your age, what your uh, BMI is, how many medications you have in a range. Like they have such a good funnel of information now where it's that specific. They can be within 94, 90% accurate in kind of seeing like if you're walking through the mall and you stop and have your grip strength tested, someone could go, hey, I bet you, you have uh, cardiovascular disease, you're on at least four different medications, you don't exercise at all, you can't get up and down off the ground, am I right? You'll be within 90% correct of a female in front of you. And, wow. and so it's such a, and the, the cool part is like, it's such a simple little test. You squeeze this little thing twice, we take the best score. I take out my, my tape measure, I wrap that around your calf, I get a calf measurement. The calf measurement was a really good predictor of how long their gait stride was and how stable they were. Smaller, short, little waddly steps tip over really easy. Longer strides require more plantar and dorsiflexion of the ankle. So if you have a bigger calf because you're moving your, your ankles more, you're taking bigger gait steps, you're more stable. And so just two easy little things Plus, however old you are, they can use those three things to really predict where you're at. And if someone comes in and are like, let me take these three measurements real quick. Hey, you're in trouble or you're borderline or whatever you're doing, keep doing it because you're great, right? Like flying colors. And it's such an easy little test to do, you know? So it's, it's not, you don't have to go and get bone scans and, you know, go into bod pods and have your blood work done. All that stuff is great. It's great to get that kind of detail, but you could do something as simple as this with a fitness professional and get a pretty good idea of where you are and where you should be for your age, for your sex, for your ability, and be able to build a program that can help you with that. That's amazing. I talk about grip strength often, and I, I had no idea that study existed because there's so many studies showing grip strength and longevity or increased mortality. What's the title yeah, of that? That's the guy there. We'll put it in the show notes link when we, yeah. you can share it yeah. with me. Absolutely. Um, people don't realize uh, I, I have a joke. I have a program called Don't Be Zombie Bait. You'll like this. It's it's a 10-day challenge. Uh, I did it for free last year because I was just trying to help the world. And I had 14,000 people join. It was amazing. Wow. And it was a free 10-day challenge. It's now available on my website. And it's there is a small fee for it now, but um, a really reasonable fee. But the I think the first or second day, I talk about grip strength because there is a joke in my clinic. My assistant, who's been with me for a long time now, going on 10 years, she and I would often talk with patients about grip strength. I was, and how this started was, I was with my best friend of my whole life, and we were on vacation in Australia. She, she won a trip to Australia, and she took me, all expenses paid. And we were in the gym gym at the hotel at the Four Seasons. And she, we were on one of those pull-up machines that are assisted, you know, where you can mm -hmm. set the weight. Little and, gravitrons. Yeah. Yeah. And she couldn't, I, I let go of the thing and I said, just hang. Right. And she couldn't hang. And I said, I, I won't give her name away, but I was like, honey, <laughs> you're going to be zombie bait That's in the bad. zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And she goes, what does that mean? I said, you're the one we keep around because you're handy until we have to throw you as bait to get away from the zombies. Because if you can't <laughs> climb away with us, 
we can't take you with us, right? Yeah. And so grip strength to me is a don't be zombie bait thing. And I, I love that you mention it because it's in my don't be zombie bait challenge. But really that's, I mean, that's the key. Like the ability to have good grip strength is such a core indicator of how long you're going to live and how well you're going to live. And I had that study just that you mentioned, I did not know existed. So that cements it for me. But we've had this info since the 80s and people just oh, yeah. disregard it. And they're like, oh, I can't hold myself up on a bar, but who cares? I'm like, what if you have to climb something and get away? <laughs> what if you, you know, for me, strength training is about being handy. Like, what if a, I think about this stuff, maybe I'm morbid, but I, I really, as a single mom, I needed to know that I could help my daughter. And so if a bookcase fell down, I needed to be able to pick it up and pull it off. If sure. uh, if someone you love is hurt, you need to be able to deadlift them to safety, potentially out of a burning building. I mean, I realize these are things that don't happen to everyone, but they happen. And so I think about this, the utility of being strong enough to help my loved ones and then being able to help my community as, as a whole. If, if I'm on the scene somewhere, I want to be able to help people because I have some level of strength. And people always look at me and underestimate me because I'm skinny, but I'm strong. And you know, and I'm dense. And I, yeah. I had one situation that I want to share with you because this might help your clients as well. I left a concert uh, and it was a pretty age appropriate concert. It was a perfect circle. So like everybody was the same age as me uh -huh. and not a great looking crowd at this point. Uh, we're, we're not aging well as a cohort. <laughs> and I left the venue. I walked across the street from the Coliseum and I stepped into a giant hole that looked like a grassy divider, like oh. a street divider, but it was uh -huh. actually a pit. And it was about the length depth of a yoga mat sideways. So like the width of a yoga mat. So it was pretty far down. So I stepped into it and fell forward. And as I mean, as I mm -hmm. fell forward, I was face level with this giant cement curb. And I remember like stepping and looking sideways at my boyfriend at the time and his face was like, oh no, she's done, you know, cause it was such a severe stumble that I made. And I caught myself on the curb and I violently almost smashed my face into the curb. Like the velocity was fast and I caught and pushed out of it. And I had oh been God. bitching to my coach because, because of my injured hip, she had me on a very strict bench press cycle <laughs> and I was not fitting in my any of my coats or my jackets anymore or my medical coat or any of the coats I wore when I spoke on stage and I was complaining to her like yo my shoulders are getting too big I'm getting too too bulky up here um and she's like well we can't squat or deadlift so we got to do something so we were bench pressing for months and thank freaking god for the bench pressing because wow. i caught myself turn i i was so close to the curb that i had to turn my head sideways otherwise i would have smashed out my smashed. whole mouth of teeth and i pushed out of it and i came up i had a huge contusion on my thigh within days like i really hurt myself mm -hmm. but i looked at my boyfriend and i was like if that had been any other woman in that coliseum they would have shattered like in the ER. You would have broke your hip. You would have probably broken both your wrist or multiple hands, plus all your face, your clavicle and or your your humerus on the impact from the arms. I mean, it, I it's bounced. bad. I yeah. bounced and yeah. I came out of it and it was so eerie. I turned and looked and there was my best friend from high school who has not aged well. And she was lighting a cigarette and she is not in good health at all. And I was like, Oh, what <laughs> like, example do you need? I think the universe was sending me a huge message at that moment. You know, like you're doing, you're on the right path. Yeah, that could I, be me. Any yeah. other woman in their mid to late forties would have, for I shouldn't say any, because there's plenty of fit ones, but most of our cohort is not doing great. Like, would have literally shattered on that curb and and been getting new teeth implants. And so, mm. that was 
truly testament to me that like, okay, this is why I train for life. For life. <laughs> I mean, all, all kinds of things happen and, and you go to like some emergency response. But I think of like a neighbor, one of their dogs attacked, got attacked by another dog. And I was having to like wrestle around and try to grab this dog off of their dog. And I was just gassed afterwards. And I'm just like, that was like 10 seconds. Like, why am I not in better shape to be able to do this? This was, you know, 10 years ago. And it's like, those are life situations and things that come up. And especially if you have kids, you know, you gotta be ready for anything. Unfortunately, we've seen societal reminders right now of anything could happen at any time and that we need to be ready for that stuff. You know, um, it's super unfortunate and it breaks my heart, but it does give you and lend to your mindset of like, you gotta be prepared, train your body to be able to do almost anything. And, you know, we have a joke of like, why do we do chin-ups? And I'm like, cause that day you're hanging off the end of the helicopter, you gotta be able to do one chin-up to get in there with Arnold, right? Like that's the, <laughs> that's your one, your one opportunity. And you're gonna be like, I can muscular hang for 30 seconds. And Arnold's gonna be like, you're dying. Cause I, I can't curl you up here. You know, it's an extreme example, but like you get the idea is, is I want, I want you to be able to squat and, and climb and step, you know, we have, I don't remember the exact number that they went through. Um, the study I saw it was for 80 and up. And for men, the majority could not pick up nine pounds off of the floor. Um, there was like 30% couldn't reach it. They couldn't get down to the kettlebell to pick it up. Oh my God. It was, How, it was what was four, the age group? It was a four kilo kettlebell, 8.8 .8 pounds for 80 years and up. Oh and my I want to say 30% of them couldn't reach the kettlebell. And then the majority couldn't pick it up. And, and then on the woman's side, they, it was like 10% could pick it up. They tried picking up the same one. And so it was just like something that's, you know, that's the average bag of groceries, eight or nine pounds, you know, of your stuff in there. It's like training for functionality of life. Can you go up and down stairs? Can you get up and down out of your bed? Can you get up and down off the floor? If you fall down, can you get yourself back up? Like there's the greatest concerns that our older adults, when they come to me, I'm like, what, what are you here for? And they're like, I'm afraid I'm going to fall down and I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt where I'm now, I lose my independence. I am now, you know, someone else is now in charge of taking care of me because I can't do it on my own anymore. And so you bring it back to like the most basic things of life is I want to stay independent and I want to be able to not get hurt. And, and so it's like the functionality of that as you practice not doing movements, this is the use it or lose it principle as you practice not doing anything in life, you're going to just keep losing it. And yeah. eventually, unfortunately, we see folks like this all over, and you guys have probably all seen them, the little tiny shuffling feet, round over shoulders, the frozen head that's stuck forward when they turn, the whole body has to turn because they can't move their neck anymore. They're using a walker or a cane. If they drop something, it's over with. They can't get it off the ground. They can't look up. They can't reach up. Like you're frozen in this little sagittal box that it can only move by four inches at a time. And what quality of life is that? They're on oh. 10 plus medications and they're like that for 15 years. And you're just like, why? You know, why? There's this big secret out there, but it's not a secret, everybody. Like you guys can do this wherever and whatever level you're at. It is never too late. You can always improve yourself. You may not get your bone density out of the osteopenic if you're 70 and you're starting now, but your quality of life will drastically improve. Like just try 20 minutes every other day for two weeks and then come back and tell me it didn't work, okay? I guarantee you, you'll feel better. You'll feel better somehow, stronger, taller, lighter, mentally more clear, all kinds of good things will come from that. Just try it, two weeks. Just commit and be like, I'm gonna do this no matter what. 
you can't quit those days. You can't be like, I don't feel it today. That's where there are grace periods in fitness. You have to get through this grace period. If you just keep doing it, your body will create calluses of the muscle. It'll like get used to this. And it'll be like, okay, this is normal. And it won't be so bad anymore. You won't be sore. You won't be exhausted. You won't be too tired. You'll be like, okay, I can work at this level. This is the new me. This is my new norm, but it feels great. And then you're like, let's step this shit up a little bit. And then you get a little bit better and you start getting a little stronger. And the next thing you know, you're not using your cane anymore. And your 20 minute walks turn into 30 minute walks. And you used to have to call your grandson to come get the groceries. And you're like, I got it. I don't need your shit. I got it. I can do this, right? I have a client that has a, like four dogs and she goes, the best time of the month is when I get to go and buy the new bag of dog food. Because yeah. there's like this 13 year old kid that's like, do you want to help out with that? And she's like, nope, I got it. And she throws it on her shoulder and walks out, right? And she's like, every time that kid looks at me like, holy shit, lady, because she's 70 years old and just throws this 45 pound bag on her shoulder. Like that's the stuff, right? You can I do love that. it. It's not I, too late, dude. It's never too late. I love that. I, I, I t you know, they always were shocked when I carried it out and I was in my 40s. I love that. That's that's absolutely it right there, you know, and being able to do that well into your 60s, 70s. And the thing about it is you don't. If you start, the younger you start, the it, it you can start at any age, right? You can start, and you're a testament to this with the work you do, but the younger you start, the sooner you start, the it's like that old man and old woman's strength that you build, and it's real. It's real sure. motor memory. It's awesome. It's like a, you know, central nervous system muscle linking that works, and just to keep it simple, and you can be that strong in your 70s and 80s. You do not have to deteriorate. We have accepted and normalized frailty in this country. Frailty, if you look at all the studies over the past two and a half years, is the number one risk factor for death from this virus. It's frailty. That's it. So going into anything, whether it's the flu or this pandemic or cancer, any kind of illness that invokes an inflammatory response, you are a million times better off with muscle mass on your body. We have the data to show that. And if you do get cancer, like you said, with all these people we mentioned, the chances of you surviving it are much higher if you have muscle mass. So like at the end of the day, it's the great insurance policy, right? It's the best thing. I, You'll appreciate this. I'd have patients come in frail little things and they'd say can you inject my shoulders i can't move them more than you know a few inches off my body i mean these what i don't know how these people lived and i'd say absolutely not i will not inject you i want to hook you up with my strength and conditioning community and i want you to go train and then you come back to me in 90 days if you still need something because of pain and nine times out of ten i'd run into them at the gym and they'd be like hey how you doing with their arm up waving at me you know yeah i'm like go spend your money over there because the injections i did were out of pocket they weren't covered by insurance. So I'm like, if you're going to drop a couple grand somewhere, go drop a couple grand on someone who knows how to train an older adult because they're rare. You, 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 your skill set is rare. And uh, fortunately, the gym I trained at, they were very good at that. We had, I saw women in there in their 80s and 90s who trained religiously and completely reversed their osteopenia mm -hmm. completely through just more muscle mass leading to better bone integrity and boom, you know? And the rest is history. So this isn't, like you said, this isn't a secret. It's just something, why do you think, and I, I know I can't keep you too long, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on like, why do you think it is, I know the industry is a little wonky and has been, and it seems to be coming around, but like, why has this not been embraced? And why are people so afraid to go into the gym and pick up things made out of metal? I, that's such a good question. And the, 
I feel like it's just been a um, a development of resistance training. It started being very taboo. It was something that people looked at as kind of a freak. Like it was the guy at the circus that would pick up this big barbell or a dumbbell over his head and everybody would go, whoa. And that was in the 50s. And then in like the 60s and 70s, bodybuilding became a thing. And those individuals were like, King Arnold talks about, like I was the king of 300 people. And like 300 people got it, but nobody else got it. And then the 80s came along and muscles started to get popular into the movies. And you saw Sylvester Stallone and, and Bruce Willis a bit more muscular. And then like Sharon Stone and some other females were G.I. Jane and the, you know, they were starting to get muscles. And then in the 90s, you started to see more of it. In the 2000s, CrossFit comes in and starts bringing in like a little bit of a military background and a competitive community. And, and it slowly starts to grow. But attached to all of that is this mindset of this is all for younger people. Older people, you're going to get hurt doing this. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. And if you go down the list of benefits of any other demographic, any other age, and you're like, what's the benefit of resistance training? You're like, okay, I'm going to get stronger. My bones are going to get better. I'm going to lose body fat. I'm going to feel better. Everything we've listed off. And then you look at all the demographics and you're like, who needs this stuff the most? You're like, oh, it's the old guys, right? It's all them. Like the 20 year old isn't osteopenic. They don't have sarcopenia, you know what I mean? You're like, who really needs this result? It's the old ones. But then when you go in the weight room, you're like, no, no, you guys, you don't do this. You go to that class and you pick up the pink dumbbells and you use the balloons and you use the little rubber bands and, and you do that stuff. Cause, and you got to sit down the whole time and you can't pick. And it's just this it's societal thing of like all, all the older clients, they just sit and train. Cause that's where you spend most of your time. You'll get hurt doing this. It's just been this, this thing that the ones that need it the most, we tell them you're going to get hurt doing it. And so it's constant break of that mentality. It's mm -hmm. education. Education is the key to this whole thing. You got to teach people not to be afraid of clients. that are like, I don't mind lifting weights, but I don't want to pick up those kettlebells. I, too many people get hurt with those. And I'm like, 20 pounds on that is the same as a 20 pound dumbbell. Are you afraid of that one? And they're like, no. And I'm like, it's just a tool. It's just a thing. It's how you pick it up that'll probably hurt you or not hurt you. You know what I mean? It's the technique of how you do it. it. Just like anything else, like these are just tools. Don't be afraid of it. And so that's another stigma you have to break. And it's just this, you know, continued effort to try to enlighten everybody on the mindset of like resistance training is for everyone, but especially older populations, 50 and over. But, yep. but even in that, I just posted the other day on social media, 20% of college age females have osteopenia, 20%. So we're talking about 18 to 25 year olds. And it's oh like, my it's, not, Which yeah, it's that, not just an older person disease, you know? That means they have sarcopenia. I've been lecturing for on sure. that for years. I've been saying like, I guarantee you there are most 20 year olds today probably have some level of sarcopenia just by the way that generation has been raised well, on you, video you games to. and sedentary. I, I would ask that to you. Like you can't be osteopenic and have muscle mass. Like that right. just doesn't work. You, you Those have to go hand in hand. They do. And if you are not active and your bones aren't dense and you're not building muscle, then you're probably not cardiovascularly well. And then more than likely, you're probably carrying some extra body fat. So it's like you can make assumptions, of course, but those two for sure. If your bones are soft, your muscles are weak as shit. And so it's like you can fix so much with one simple thing. It's just finding a version of that. I think that's what matters. If it's, you know, uh, Orange Theory and the classes and the strobe lights and this and if it's CrossFit and if it's TOA and if it's, you know, CalFit and if it's 24, like whatever version of it, I don't care. Just as long as there is resistance included, bands, yeah. kettlebells, dumbbells, cable pulleys, barbells, like name it, just move load and you will reap a benefit. 
right? Do it smart, but you will reap a benefit. There's one I thing it. I can implore you to do is get out there and move weight. I think this is for every age group, right? Wouldn't you say? Yep. I had a client in here today. She's 40. I train her grandmother and her daughter who was 10 was in here training with her today. And, and the mom, she was like, um, I remember hearing something about how if my kid lifts weights, that's going to stunt their growth. And I'm like, that's not true. If I have her lift her one rep max every day and try to blow her, and then I'm going to probably hurt her somehow. But no, that's not, as long as it's appropriate, age appropriate across the board, anybody, everybody can resist and strain. My four-year-old and my eight-year-old come in here and work out with me twice a week. And I have little bands and I have little three and four pound kettlebells and we train and they'll, they'll grow up in a world of knowing like, this is something we do all the time. You know, this is just how it is. This is part of life. And I'm not going to force it down their throat, but it's a thing that's like, you brush your teeth, you make your bed, you do your workout. Like this is part of the routine. And we just put it in there. Like resistance training should be prescribed with every, whatever it is. Like, hey, you have blank. Here's what I need you to do to get better. Resistance train and yada, 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 whatever it is. Like, I can't think of one thing where you're like getting stronger and better shape would be bad for you. I, Can you think of anything? Nope. Nope. And as a physician, that was pretty much my first prescription for everyone to the point where I was losing a lot of money because I would send them away and not treat them. I would not give them anything except a gym prescription. You weren't giving them shots. <laughs> you weren't giving them medicine. You weren't, I mean, and nope. all that stuff is a real nice band-aid for the moment, but yep. it doesn't fix the problem. Nope. And, and it just, you know, the without getting into it. I mean, the anti-inflammatory benefits and the hormonal benefit of muscle is so profound that it's, it's just, again, non-negotiable. I think the real problem is that most doctors don't strength train, so they have no idea. It's a superpower. Yeah. It's a, it's like a sixth sense. When you're strong, you possess something that people who are not strong do not possess. I don't know how to explain it, but I have a, it's a sense. And we really should, you know, I've, I've heard arguments for saying that muscle mass should be a vital sign. We should be mm -hmm. measuring muscle mass on every patient, although it's difficult to do. And it's not something as easy as taking blood pressure or pulse or, you know, temperature and other vital signs, but muscle mass really is a vital sign. And it is something that um, is sorely underappreciated by the medical profession as a whole. And when I lecture about this, I get a ton of blank stares because there's usually one out of a hundred people in that room who's actually fit. And it's, it's just the way it is, even in the natural health community that I circle in predominantly. I go to orthopedic conference because I did regenerative injections. So I was hanging out with a lot of uh, osteopaths and MDs in the orthopedic world. And some of them, you know, they it was part of that anti-aging thing, like shoot testosterone, lift weights, but they were like trying to look hot so they could go to the next conference and look okay. hot. It wasn't as functional as the way that gotcha. I like to work out and the way yep. that you're describing. Because again, I'm working out for life. I'm, I'm lifting for life. But um, it was just really surprising because they put image after image up of herniated discs and blown out lumbar spines with the you know showing how they injected it with prp and, and stem cells and how it healed but every single time there's some it was some skinny dude who was a cyclist or a runner who didn't do any kind of strength training whatsoever and up there saying this patient got this disc herniation from deadlifting and i'm like okay fair enough but do we have to because i think deadlifting is probably the best exercise that you can do for low back pain and disc herniations and it's I also agree. the most dangerous if you load the barbell too hard or too yep. much and you don't have proper technique and coaching so with that i say 
hire a coach. I beat the drum all day. Like, don't try to do this at home by yourself. Hire somebody who has some skill set. Find a community like you have built to walk you through because this is a skill and a sport like any other skill and sport and to be done safely without damaging your joints further we got to hire some help so how can my audience find you because i want to make sure that they absolutely eat up everything you have <laughs> so website instagram all of it our website is trainingtheolderadult.com and we actually have a find a TOA trainer um, map on our website. So wherever you're at, we might have a TOA that's close to you that you could go and work with someone who trains like we train. I work with all of these folks hand in hand. I train them, I train their staffs, like literally every week I'm on calls like this, training them. So their way is my way and vice versa. I'm on Instagram, just my name, Robert Linkle. I'm on Facebook, I've got a really good YouTube page. I would love uh, some more subscribers. So. Anybody wants to hop over there and help us with that, I put up good content. Uh, all that stuff is, is on there free. I've got hundreds of videos on there and I talk about anything and everything, all doing with resistance training for the aging body and helping it be strong. And I just wanna say thank you, number one, Dr. Tina, for having me. I think you're a rock star. I love you. I think what you're doing is great. And I'm truly honored and really happy to have had the chance to get on here and, and talk with you and share with you and your, and your community. Um, I know that I could always give people back their money or their product, but I can't give them back the time that they've invested. And the fact that you gave me a chance, you gave me your time, all you listeners, you sat here with me for the two of us for the last hour listening. I'm very, very appreciative. I don't take that for granted. And I really appreciate you, you hearing me and having me here. And I would love to come back anytime you want to talk. Obviously, I'm not afraid to sit here and chat with you and tell you stories and ramble on about this forever. But I would, I would be more than happy to come back anytime. So thank you very much. Oh my gosh, I loved talking with you. Thank you for coming. And I, yeah, I, the minute I saw your Instagram page, I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> I've got to get him on the show. So thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you being here and come back anytime. We'll have great talks. Do you uh, have any parting words? If you had one thought to leave the audience with, I know we've said a lot, but one thought to leave the audience with to get them motivated to take the next step in this. You can do it. You're not on, you're not alone. You're not by yourself on this. And we mentioned it earlier, like wherever you're at, whatever ability level you are at, you can make it better in as little as a day or two or two weeks, like just a little bit of effort getting you going in the right direction. It will get contagious. You'll get this feel from that where you're like, this is fantastic. I want to keep doing it. You can see me beaming. You can see Doc beaming. Like you can see us because it's like we know the secret, right? We want you to know the secret. We want you to get like get bit by this. You just find the little version of it where you're like, that's that's it. I really like that and just keep doing it and keep doing it. And the next thing you know, you're gonna be part of the club and you're gonna be telling your buddies like, hey, you should get into this. This has changed my life. You'll be right here with us. So it's never too late, gang, 100%, you can do this. And we're right here to help you. Yes, awesome, thank you. This has my been pleasure. so fun. Thanks thank for coming you. on the Dr. Tina Show. I will make sure to put all your links in our show notes so our, my audience can find you. And I hope everybody will rush over and find a coach they can work with who can train the older adult because as my coach told me, not everybody can do that. That is a special skill set. So thank you for being in the world and training more people to understand this. And we will be back next week with a new episode, you guys. If you like this show, please rate, review, and subscribe. It would mean the world. And head over to Robert's YouTube channel and rate, review, and subscribe there. That will help him. It helps the algorithm see us so this information can get out to more people. So we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. 
Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A, and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.